On this special episode of Just an Avocado White Woman, we're going to be tackling the myth of Thanksgiving, how and why it started, what's wrong with it, and what you can do to stop it. Just a note, I did look up any pronunciations I was unsure about before recording, but I do want to apologize now for any mistakes I make. As the story goes, friendly Native Americans taught the struggling colonists how to survive in what Europeans called the New World. Then everyone got together to celebrate with a feast in 1621. As the story goes, that's the pretty story they like to tell us in school as we're making hand turkeys and wondering why we're getting extra days off. Let's start in 1613 before this quote unquote feast ever happened with the colonists that landed and stayed in Plymouth. English and French fishermen had been landing to get water and capture slaves. One particular capture was of Tisquantum, also known as Squanto, in 1613, a member of the tribe of Wampanoags. He was held as prisoner for six years in England before escaping back to his land in New England in 1619 to find 75% of his tribe dead. Due to the bad hygiene of the English and French fishermen and them not bathing, their diseases wiped out 90 to 96% of the coastal New England tribes by the time the colonists arrived in Plymouth in 1620. During his capture, he had learned English, and his tribe leader, Massasoit, used this as leverage when the colonists arrived on the shores. Thinking they would help their tribe defeat their enemies, the Narragansett. Tisquantum was the one who showed them how to plant crops, forage for wild foods, and survive the new land they knew nothing about. At the end of the year, 1621, the colonists marked their bountiful harvest with a celebration, during which they fired their guns into the air. Upon hearing the celebratory gunshots and screams emanating from colonist sentiments, Wampanoag soldiers, operating under the assumption that they were under attack, responded swiftly. Having a diplomatic treaty of mutual defense with the colonists, the Wampanoag dispatched 90 soldiers to aid the settlers. This proactive move prompted Massayot to mobilize warriors and prepare for a potential conflict. Instead of engaging in battle, both parties gathered and collaborated to organize a shared feast. The first year there was ever a quote-unquote Thanksgiving celebration mentioned was in 1637, after a brutal massacre of an entire Pequot village, more than 700 men, women, and children. The celebration was their barbaric victory meal. For context, this is now modern-day Mystic, Connecticut. But even that was not the official start to the holiday. On September 28, 1863, a letter written by Sarah Josepha Hale a 74-year-old magazine editor prompted President Lincoln to officially establish the last Thursday of November as Thanksgiving with the proclamation of Thanksgiving on October 3, 1863. This was later changed in December 1941 by President Franklin D. Roosevelt to the fourth Thursday in November to avoid confusion in years where there is a fifth Thursday in November. For a span of 15 years, Miss Hale, the former editor of Gotti's Ladies Book, 
passionately championed the idea of establishing a national Thanksgiving observance date. Her advocacy began in the early 1800s after she discovered and published the journal of William Bradford. Bradford served as the governor in Plymouth for three decades, starting in 1621, assuming the role after the initial governor's death over the winter. Despite Miss Hale's persistent efforts, none of the presidents during that period acknowledged or acted upon her request. Before the proclamation, each state scheduled its own Thanksgiving holiday at different times, mainly in New England and other northern states. George Washington was actually the first president to proclaim a day of Thanksgiving on October 3rd, 1789, exactly 74 years before Lincoln's official establishment. So why would Miss Hale get the idea of quote-unquote Thanksgiving from Bradford's journal? Because he wrote it in there. After the massacre I mentioned previously, he decreed, quote, For the next hundred years, Every Thanksgiving day ordained by a governor is in honor of the bloody victory, thanking God that the battle had been won, unquote. In the 2009 book, Thanksgiving, the Biography of an American Holiday, by James Baker, it is suggested that a significant shift in perception occurred approximately one generation after the proclamation. This transformation coincided with the progressive area spanning from 1890 to 1920, a period marked by the United States' emergence as a global power amid rapid industrialization and urbanization. The influx of European immigrants heightened nationalism, prompting concerns among Protestant Americans who had previously displaced indigenous people. During this era, a distinct, quote, American identity emerged rooted in colonial ideology. In response to the arrival of new immigrants, efforts were made to articulate and instill the con- concept of, quote, Americanism. Notably, the narrative of Thanksgiving underwent a sanitization process, presenting a misleading, peaceful interaction between colonizers and tribes. This version omitted the harsh realities of death, destruction, and land acquisition inflicted upon the indigenous peoples, establishing a narrative that endured for the next two centuries. By 1920, as Baker highlights, the story of pilgrims and Indians had become a standard part of curriculum for American school children, including in native schools. Today, families get together to eat and celebrate and give thanks, though most can't tell you the true origins of the holiday. They watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. They watch football. Typical fare, depending on where you live, will be turkey, potatoes, stuffing, also called dressing, gravy, green bean casserole, sweet potato casserole, deviled eggs, and cranberry sauce. But where did these originate from? Why has this become what everyone gravitates to? Most of the food is, in fact, native to America, and what Native Americans might have shared, though not prepared the same way. According to Bradford's journal, the Wampanoag people brought deer, and there were some type of cooked fowl. Although it was most likely duck, not turkey, they also ate cranberries, vegetables, cornmeal, and pumpkin, but not in the form of pumpkin pie. So how can we approach this holiday different? For one, if you are a parent, teach your children about the true origins of the holiday and what occurred. Two, I'm not saying don't get together with your family as holidays are times where families so often all have time off to spend together. But if you're just learning this, share it with them. 
Three, if you're not into the traditional fair, like my husband and I, make your own traditions, or alternatively, explore Native American dishes. As Sean Sherman, a chef and Sioux tribe member, says, we Americans spend hours outdoors collecting foods like chanterelles, morels, ramps, wild ginger, choke cherries, wild plums, crab apples, cactus fruit, pawpaws, manzanita berries, cattails, maple, wild rice, not the black stuff from California, which is modified and completely different version of the true wild rice growing around the Great Lakes region, cedar, rose hips, hickory, acorns, and walnuts. We can work with native growers producing heirloom beans, squash, and pumpkins, and native corn varieties, all coming in many shapes, sizes, and colors. We can have our feasts include dishes like cedar braised rabbit, sunchokes with sumac, pine stewed venison, smoked turkey with chestnuts, true wild rice with forage mushrooms, native squash with maple, smoked salmon, and wild teas. You can make your Thanksgiving whatever you would like it to be, without perpetuating harmful cultural propaganda. Just one more that exists in our nationalistic myths. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Just an Avocado White Woman, and join me next Wednesday, where we're going to be speaking about fast fashion.